Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is episode 65. We're calling it Politics and Prayers. Uh, it seems these days, if you're highly engaged in politics, you don't have a prayer, but we'll leave that for later. Anyway, uh, welcome in. We're getting close to time change. That'll happen next Sunday, which means that we fall back an hour. When you get to be my age, that's a, that's a difficult thing to comprehend. Every hour becomes precious. Anyway, I want to tell you, I may be a little disturbed this morning. I hope you bear with me on this Sunday. Uh, Pat and I had Chinese for dinner last night, and I had some of it cold for breakfast this morning. It's an entirely new experience for me. Uh, so we'll see how this, uh, this 15 minutes shakes out. As usual, a chaotic week. They're still fighting over that three and a half trillion. Is it two trillion? Is it one and a half trillion? Is it a lifetime of indebtedness? Is it an economic collapse? Whatever the program is that the Biden administration has proposed and Pelosi is promoting, and Schumer, I should add. Plus the $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill, some of which includes concrete, metal, and asphalt, most of which does not. So they're still arguing about all those. And then they extended the debt ceiling until December, I believe. No big deal. Doesn't matter. Debt ceiling, although it is a technicality, is not a reality. They'll just keep printing. Okay, who cares? Well, in the meantime, we find that we're getting an inflationary rate of about 5%. And again, that's going to depend on which segment of the market you're looking at. Because some of it, some parts of the market, let's say uh, gasoline prices, for example, or auto fuel prices exceed that by far. Um, Anyway, the overall inflation rate and across the board, for example, people in Social Security are getting almost that amount, but the Medicare costs are going up at an equal amount, which means it's going to be a probably a net loss for those people in that sector. And then um, wage gains, I my daughter's involved in labor negotiations at some level. And what she's encountering is as inflation and queasy vaccine mandates are affecting public sector workers across the country, and particularly in Ohio, there are going to be higher demands or more intense demands for wage increases because of inflation. You know, typically when a police department, let's say fire department or maintenance workers or whatever, uh, might be satisfied with a 2.5% increase, and then you do it, you know, like over three years or five years or whatever, and and maintain that level, that's not going to do it when you've got a 5% inflation. They're going to want increasingly more, in fact, to protect themselves in the future should this rate of inflation continue. They're going to be asking for double-digit increases and pay increases. So what does that do to the local government, the local entity who's expected to supply that when you consider on the backside all their supplies and services are costing inflated prices. So you have a double whammy coming down on the local entity from both the product side and the labor side. 
So where do they go to get their money? Well, they have to go to the taxpayers to get it. You know, cutting spending is never an option. Or if it is, it's a last resort option. Or if it is, it's merely cutting the baubles off of the tree. So uh, it's going to be a whole lot of pressure going on. So then you have the citizens of the community sitting there paying inflated prices with wages that don't quite match it. And now the local government comes back and says, we need more tax dollars so we can provide you the services and, and, and provide you with the things you're used to here. And you're going to say, wait a minute, I can't pay more taxes. In the meantime, you got an unresponsive school board and you're paying property taxes to support them. Or if, if you're renting your, the, the management and owners of your property, has increased property taxes, which means your rent will go up. All in all, it's a vicious cycle that never ends. And what you find out when you look at these cycles, and actually in many cases, they resemble spirals. And there are people outside the spiral who are benefiting from all this chaos and meanness. And it's not you or me. It's not our neighbors. It's not our communities. It's somebody else. Anyway, okay, some columns, and I maybe that frustrates you that I keep referring to these columns, and maybe some I've referred to in the past, you've locked on to these people and pick them up every week if you find what they had to say prescient and interesting, but I do this anyway because to give you an idea that I'm trying to put together a mosaic every week of what's going on and how I see it. Now, you may not give a rat's patoot how I see it, but the point is, if I lay the mosaic out there for you, you can go around and select the various tiles that reinforce or inform you as you form your own mosaic. And that's the bottom line. I, I want to speak to people who think. I want to speak to people who question. I want to speak to people who are trying to come up with a strategy to conceal, conceal, to consider keeping their individual liberty and economic freedom when everything on the outside is hostile, hostile to us. And so by giving you some of these articles and so forth, it may give you some insight on the strategies that you may want to follow or at least examine going forward. This one is from um, Luke Lango. Um, his organization or his blog is called Hypergrowth Investing. And basically, he, he's more optimistic than I am, but basically he says uh, that the global robot takeover is just getting started. And he's basically talking about Amazon and next generation technology, uh, the Amazon Fresh cashierless grocery store. He's talking about all the way robotics impact our lives now. And part of it is because you can't get good people to work. But on the other hand, think about it. You can't design an entire robotic system in an instant or in a day or in a month or in a year. These things have been going on beforehand. So maybe somebody knew the labor shortage was going to be real and started planning for it. On the other hand, maybe people aren't applying for jobs because they figured the mean, vicious owners, those capitalist owners are going to ace them out and replace them with robots. I don't know. There's a dynamic going on there. But it, it uh, even, even McDonald's 
uh, you know, going to the all kiosk, at least in our area where you walk in and punch it in and only one or two people work the counter and they just basically run it from the kitchen to you. Interesting concept. Home Depot, for example, uh, at least locally, I don't know where it is in your area. You can't get a checkout at Home Depot unless you're a contractor. You got to go through the self-checkout line and do it that way. Oh, I don't mind it. To me, it's faster. For years, I wouldn't do it, but now I'm doing it because I figured, why, why pay them for something I don't get? So I guess I yielded in how to do it. Okay, Doug Casey's international man from Friday talked about how to solve the COVID price crisis. He says, how are we going to kick the butts of the COVID creatures, even though they're smaller than us? Are we going to be like Goliath, who fell to the little Putin David? He said, it all depends on whether we embrace science or continue to denigrate it. Now, at first glance, at first glance, you might think that's a defense of the status quo health community. It's not. Doug goes in there and basically condemns them for insisting on their way. You know, the Fauci's and all those people insisting on their way and doing their best through the social media and so forth to shut down competing points of view. And basically what Doug is saying is science is embraces the competing points of view. Because as you bring all this data, information, theories, and so forth, into the basket, you sort it out, and eventually you might arrive at the truth or at least a temporary remedy. So he said the failure to embrace science, and particularly scientific method, is what's costing us in this whole COVID nonsense that's going on right now. And as we know, it's become political. In fact, I would argue that I've always stated for most of my adult life that everything is political. Every aspect of your life is political, but I'd never in my life seen it so dominated by politics. I mean, there's always a political component when you make a decision, whether it be taxation, opening a business, uh, preferring one flower or another, there's a political component. Maybe the flower you prefer comes from uh, Columbia but yet the flour from Minnesota is cheaper. I, I'm just going in. Those are just examples of sort of the way I'm thinking. But right now, the, the concept of political impact involves every aspect of our decision-making and all of our news. Another article I'm reading from The Bleeding Edge, and uh, this is from Friday as well. He's talking about he's a little concerned about the metaverse, things that he doesn't understand about it. That's Jeff Brown. Um, and I don't think it's a fact that he doesn't understand. I think what he's saying is he's trying to get a handle on where it's going and what its impact would be. I think the dystopian people would suggest that at some point we're going to be slaves to the robots. I wouldn't find that too alarming if I were you. We're basically slaves to the elite right now, so uh, you're just exchanging one master for another. One thing you can say about a robotic master is they're probably consistent. Um, but anyway, so he goes over that, and that's, that's a good point. The dystopians say we'll be controlled by robots. The optimists say robots will save us a lot of energy and effort and be good for us. 
Um, somewhere in between is probably reality. Okay, somewhere in between is probably reality. And let's hope that we can discover what that is before it eats us all. And then another from the Breitbart Business Digest, and I've been relying on them more so recently, even though it's a, you know, Breitbart's typically a, a, a right-wing conservative view. Nevertheless, I found they've got some good articles in there. And they have a story on, on the inflation, how it's become uh, much clearer as of Friday. The Department of Labor Employer Cost Index showed that compensation rose at the fastest pace in decades in the third quarter of this year. Wages and salaries increased 1.3% in the three-month period and were up 4.6% compared to a year ago. Now, factor in the 5% plus inflation, and what you see is that basically is going to be a a continually upward trend, that there's going to be a constant demand or insistence that wages increase to stay pace with inflation. Let's face it, if you got somebody working above, slightly above minimum wage or close to minimum wage, and inflation keeps ricocheting forward, and they don't get paid accordingly, or at least for a short period of time, they're going to quit. They're just flat out going to quit and hang it up. Another guy I read every day because I find him fascinating, interesting, and he's not always necessarily shareable. It's from John Rappaport, R-A-P-P-O-P-O-R-T. He's a columnist, journalist, and uh, he said it's the elite creation of reality. He said it shows up in areas of politics, energy, modern medicine, media, money, covert intelligence, the military, religion, science, and multinational corporations. In other words, all those entities create a reality that they want us to accept and embrace in many cases. And I would encourage you to read John when you get, get a chance. And finally, from CNBC, inflation notches a 30-year high as measured by the Fed's favorite gauge. That's by Jeff Cox, and that was on Friday as well. That pretty much does it for all the news we have for you. I guess what I'm saying is find and detect a strategy, a way forward for you that you're comfortable with, and then do everything you can to live free, stay free, and be free. This is Charlie Earl. Have a good day.